Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Habibis, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. I'm your host for today, Osama Darius. I'm Fauzi Masmar. And I'm Rami Ismail. How y'all doing, gentlemen? I have uh, exciting things to talk about. <laughs> I, just, I just woke up. I, it's nice. It's nice to wake up with like this much energy. I'm all for it. Good. That means you slept enough hours. I slept many hours. Many many hours. I got my uh, I got my uh, vaccine uh, last week. Uh, oh, by nice. the time this airs, a while even longer, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, it was an adventure, and I had I had a week. Uh, the 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 whole vaccination thing turned into a major mess because the location I went to where my appointment was didn't have the vaccine that oh, I no. that I needed to get. No. Yeah, I, I I got the um, the Moderna one, and it was just it, they were just out, and they were like, "Well, sorry, you have to go somewhere else. So I had to drive somewhere else." And and I am terrified of needles. Like, yeah. oh no, terrified <laughs> of needles to the point where you know when when people panic, you have like a fight or flight response. Yeah. I have the fight response, which is not good <laughs> because I'm like two meters tall and I, I just lose it. Oh, so no. um, for me, it's like anxious, right? It, it's scary to go get to go get an injection or, or a needle or a vaccine or anything. And in, in my life, there's like stories of like four big guys having to hold me down to like get get a job. So I had built up all of my courage and all of my like restraint to go and just get the thing because it's important and i want to make sure that my my dad is safe and my mom is safe of course so i went and i get there and they're just like yeah we don't have it and i'm like oh my god like i build up all week for this and i'm like can i still get it today so no (laughs) no, i don't have to be anxious for more days they sent me halfway across the country with like a timeline they're like okay well if you can be here in like 45 minutes well, it's, a small small. Country, yeah, it's a small country, to be fair. It's a small country. But if you come halfway up con- across the country in, in like 45 minutes, we'll, we'll get you a job somewhere else. And <laughs> I just went like, okay. And it turns out that all that stress, really helpful. Because you, you don't have time to be like scared anymore or like worried about the thing. You're just worried about getting your car like down the right exit. Yeah, yeah. So got the job, got a sticker with a smiley face. Um, that was nice. And then, um, you know, for my my side effects were really were really mild, honestly. Uh, really? But I but I did notice that I sleep longer, and uh, yeah, that was very much the very much the case today. So good, good morning. I, I was super fortunate when I I mean I, I I'm not afraid of needles, so that's a different situation. But I meant the side effects. I was super fortunate. I had a little bit of a sore arm both times, and nothing else, right. no other symptoms. What what is your one fear, Osama? That's a very good question. Um, you know, okay, so I'm not a very strong swimmer. I can swim, but I'm not a very strong swimmer. So actually, mm-hmm. my one fear is seeing someone drown and not be able to help them. Wow. Because it's I'm very gonna... Osama to have the fear not be focused on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the situation has almost happened before where, where I was on a boat where someone fell in, and I didn't know if they could swim or not. And I know that if I try to help them, I will drown because I'm not right. a strong swimmer. Well, and they were thankfully able to swim. But like that moment, it, it was the most terrified I was in my life. It was like, oh my wow. God, I'm going to watch someone die or I'm going to die right. with them. There's no oh other. Oh my God, man. Yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. Here I am with, here, here I am with my needles. <laughs> I, will, I will get medically approved science stuck into my body to be healthy. I'm terrified. And you're like... <laughs> What I will either person? watch someone die or like die with them. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <some> serious <laughs> <Okay>. stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hardcore. Mine, mine is heights. 
Yeah. Oh, you're afraid of heights? But it's no, it's like um it's very specific. So like if I'm in a building or in a plane or anything like that, totally fine. But if I'm in a ski lift, right. You know, I get the vertigo. Like um if I feel that I am in an like even if I like if I'm at the like you know, I've been on like skyscrapers and whatnot inside or like on a balcony, but the balcony had like a fence that is more than waist high, totally mm-hmm. fine. If it's below waist high, I get the vertigo. Right. It's kind of like whenever I feel like there's a good possibility of me falling down is when I really <laughs> like wow. um, feel it. I have I have like a weird one with heights where, you know, when it's like heights, it's weird. If it's like high enough that I will absolutely die on impact, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Yeah. If, it's like, wow. if it's like the height where it's like if I fall, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not scared of it, but it, it's definitely more uncomfortable than just being like a thousand feet up where you're like, well, yeah. what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that was a whole that was a whole story. I ended up getting like a really big pancake afterwards to celebrate that I did it, <laughs> nice. which was nice. That's so, great. I, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, but yeah, no, that um, it's it's this little pancake house, uh, all, also halfway across the country. So I went, and it's a place that we always used to go to back in the days when we had celebrations or Raid or something. We might end up at at that pancake place after the early years where Raid was just you know McDonald's, which mm-hmm. that was a celebration. Like we <laughs> never got to get, we never got to have McDonald's. So. <laughs> um, but when we had when we had a little bit more um, uh, taste. We we switched to like really good Dutch pancakes, which are really good. So I love Dutch pancakes. I'm, my friend Paul who lives in Montreal is half Dutch. You've met him, Remy, one time. We went to have right together. yes. And uh, one time I went over to his house and he's like, "I'm going to make you Dutch pancakes." And I wasn't sure if that meant I had to pay for half the ingredients. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, show me Very what you fair. got. <laughs> We'll go Dutch on the pancakes. All right, sure, let's do it. <laughs> but uh, they were they were delicious, and you can actually top them with a whole bunch of different things. So he kept like yeah. you know, doing making one after the other. So that was great. The the one I always get at that place is called the uh, Apfelstrudel, mm-hmm. which is obviously a little bit based on like the Austrian slash German uh, uh, version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's um, it's a so a Dutch pancake sits sort of between a crepe and an American pancake. It's it's a little thicker than a crepe. Uh, and a little more spongy than a crepe, but it's not as spongy as an American one. And it's it's big, right? A Dutch mm-hmm. pancake is relatively big. It's plate sized, and in the Netherlands, it'll come out on like a big plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're they can be pretty massive. And the the Apfelstrudel one was um, apple, cinnamon, raisin, um, almonds, and um, sugar, powdered sugar. Ooh. Actually, sounds uh, delicious. And it's very good. And after it, you're just out for the day. It has like that. It has that like full quality where you eat it, and then afterwards you sweat what you ate. Oh yeah. Is that? It's the only equivalent of that in the Netherlands, I think. Um, it was really good. I I was really happy. So I drove home like very satisfied and happy, and then just fell asleep. So it's been a it's been an interesting week. That's good, man. Osama, Super wait a minute. Osama, yeah. as, as we started the episode, you were like very excited and you had good news <laughs> or something. Well, it was actually exciting for me. Uh, what happened is randomly we're having conversations on Twitter with some uh, dev, devs from Montreal. And one of them said, hey, we all, I miss all y'all. How about we just go to a park and uh, chill? So I'm like, yeah, sure. 
thinking that it was mostly going to be people from that thread, I said, who wants to go to the park this Saturday? And about 100 people <laughs> replied. Oh, wow. Yes. And I, I, we can't do that. We have provincial restrictions that limit it to 50. So me and two friends, we actually set up a form and we had people sign up. And um, we went to, like, we, we only picked the first 50 and we went to a park. And the, t- the day that we set this up, the weather was going to be extremely hot, like 35 degrees Celsius plus wow. rain. Plus rain, both like the worst case scenario. We're going to be uncomfortable and, and wet. But we're like, you know what? We'll move in, cancel it, and keep moving it until the weather fits. But when the day came, it was sunny and cool and like perfect weather. Perfect, perfect weather. It cooled down enough and everybody showed up and we had an incredible time. And this is the f- biggest gathering I've had since the beginning of COVID. I've like, it went from, I think the second biggest was a family thing where 10 or 12 people showed up. Uh, when those re- restrictions were lifted and that was allowed. And now we went to 50. Everybody, awesome. 100% of the people were, were double vaccinated. We still social distance. We kept it like, safe. Uh, everybody brought snacks that were individually wrapped and packaged. So we like, you know, did all the precautions, uh, followed all the rules. The police still showed up and counted our heads to make sure we oh, were at wow. 50. Yeah, they showed up on bikes and they were like, they, they were making sure of two things. Uh, this is a thing I didn't even realize at that point. They were making sure that we were not a protest. And they were mm. counting our heads because protests are limited to 20 people and uh, gatherings are limited to 50. So oh. they actually came, counted our heads and asked us if we were a protest. We're like, do you see any signs? Do you, do you, see, do you hear any chanting? Like it, it was such a silly question for them to even make. But uh, apparently, yeah, there are a lot of people who are like skirting that and protesting different things. And that was not us. We had a great time. Um, To be fair, I knew most of the people who were there. There were like two or three people who were new to Montreal. All three of them came right before COVID hit. So it was really sad situation. And they were meeting like people in Montreal for the first time. And uh, yeah, it was such a good thing. We're going to try to do it again in a couple of weeks. To be fair, gonna... if it's a group of game developers getting together, there was probably protesting happening. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about like industry, you know, our industry experience and stuff like that. It was pretty much a protest, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you protesting anything? How how ridiculous this question is, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that sounds cool. I haven't done anything like that for such a long time now. It's it yeah. approaching a year and a half, almost two years. It's uh, I miss right. being around game devs and just chatting about stuff like that. Uh, in real for life sure. you know? Me too. for sure yeah montreal is a good city for that because there's just a lot of game devs on every level of the industry yeah mm-hmm. right from students to like big trip away so there's about twelve thousand uh, people who work in the game right. industry in montreal wow. yeah you know there's ten thousand here in sweden yeah it's big it's kind of crazy considering like you know there's only 10 million <laughs> right and yeah. people living in sweden like per capita is probably I mean, the, the the most game dev per <laughs> per uh per million people in the world that might say. possibly might be i mean Mon- Mon- montreal you have to remember that canada is also like 30 million yeah. people oh, okay. oh, yeah, that's like right. canada has barely any people it, yeah. it is always staggering to me but like canada is less than it's less than double the netherlands in yeah. terms of people <laughs> and i think the netherlands fits in like if if you would map the Netherlands to Canada, I don't think you'd see much of the Netherlands. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. We're literally the second biggest country in the world after Russia. And right. We're, it's massive. 
And um, also 30, and you're 30 million people. Yeah, and that 12,000 is only Montreal. It's only one city. Uh, if you oh, that's look only at the rest Montreal. Of, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Qu- Quebec ha- adds another couple, uh, like almost 1,000. Uh, because there's a Quebec City has a lot of studios, and now they have others in Sherbrooke and Chicoutimi and different places. So you could add maybe, uh, bring it up to close to 15,000. Um, and then Ontario has about 2,000, and British Columbia has about 4,000. So altogether, we're close to 20,000. Wow, uh, that's a yeah. lot of game devs. Right. Yeah, but still, per capita, Sweden's still probably more because it's 10,000 out of 10 million. Here, it's like mm-hmm. 20,000 out of 30 million, uh, but it's still pretty big. Uh, per capita right. in a city, I think Montreal is the biggest in the world. Uh, you, you have to you have to remember that a lot of those spaces still have like pretty large indie scenes Yes, in Canada. I, I know Sweden has indie, obviously, uh, a bit spread out between uh, um, Stockholm and uh, Malmö and uh, Gothenburg, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there, there's a lot of probably uncounted development in uh, in Sweden and Canada both. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, obviously, uh, in Alberta, there's a lot of indie. Yep. Uh, and a couple. A of lot AAA. of fun. Yeah. And a couple of AAA. Yeah. And uh, great government uh, planning being done there uh, with uh, regards to supporting the games industry. Mm-hmm. With, with with a little with a little tone of sarcasm there. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's interesting seeing these places. I mean, I'm in the Netherlands. We're we're like 17 million people, and we have one triple A, mm. and we have a bunch of like mid-sized studios. But that's kind of it mm-hmm. in terms of uh, bigger bigger companies. Uh, lots of business to business in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of uh, edutainment and games, applied games, uh, games for research, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. entertainment is really a, a growing niche. Yeah, I just fact checked it to the to make sure. Um, yeah, the Swedish uh, game companies are employing a total of nine thousand one hundred and seventy eight people. Wow, that's big. Wow. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah, insane number of people working in the games industry for a country this small. Yeah, right. In in Montreal, Ubisoft alone is over four thousand people. <laughs> I think last count it was four thousand five hundred. It's literally the biggest video game studio in the world. It surpassed. Well, flat- yeah. Flamber was two people. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that counts. <laughs> also 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 a big deal yeah. back in the days. When it was... <laughs> it's still a big deal in my heart, Ravi. Oh. <laughs> so what, uh, yeah. yeah. What what have you all, what have you all been playing? Have you been playing? Is or is it another because I finally played a game again. Oh, okay. Finally. Ta- for, the first, for, for the first time. Well, if you want to go first, I like I didn't want to like well, I, rush in and go like let's I, go. I don't mind I don't have a game and I'm not sure if Fauzi has a game because he's been extremely busy. So mm-hmm. maybe if we start with games you can start and then we'll take it over. Uh, uh, just just get the get the we're a games podcast yeah. checkbox. Because yeah, I, okay. I sampled a lot of games, but not enough to be able to talk about sampled. It. Yeah. I, I played yeah. like five or, or ten new games that hit game box all at the same time just to like see which one I'm gonna play. Game Pass. Uh, yeah. Oh, game Pass is amazing, man. Just, Sorry, I think you said Game Box. I was like, okay. Did I say Game Box? I meant Game Pass. Okay. I mean, I'm going to hear it in the edit. <laughs> if you said Game Box, that's the name of the episode. You oh, that, no. Right? Oh, no. I know. Last episode was Android Box. That's too many boxes. Too many boxes. <laughs> I have to think about this. <laughs> I think I merged Xbox with Game Pass. <laughs> right. At this point, they're the same thing. You're not wrong. You're really not wrong. Um, no, I played. Um, I played. I played a video game. Uh, it was really. It was interesting. It's this thing that I haven't done for a while. Um, <laughs> I played um, Axiom Verge Two. Oh, 
Oh, which came out. Oh, that was in the new Nintendo uh, indie directing the other day. Right, wasn't it? it was, it was, and uh, Action Verge is a very interesting, very strange kind of game. Uh, it's one of those games that's really, um, um, I hate the term auteur game, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. It's made by a guy named uh, Tom Happ, uh, mm-hmm. and when I say it's made by a guy named Tom Happ, I mean it's made by a guy. It's just him. <laughs> <laughs> named Tom Happ and he gets a little bit of help with like small things but the art the code uh all of that is is him and um the the game sort of plays around these like weird alternate reality situations that happen and the first one was very felt very metroidvania right mm-hmm. uh but it looked very metroidvania this one it is very rich in terms of culture and place and and locations and i will say like the first one wasn't wasn't bad at that it was very uh, Im- imaginative but this one goes like all out and uh it's very well done mm-hmm. it's very chill and the thing that got me the thing that struck me is i i played it early on and the the, the soundtrack is incredible and then at some point, I was playing the game, and I was like, wow, this sounds familiar. And I suddenly went, and I'm like, this is Arabic music. Mm-hmm. I think this is Arabic. And, like, you know, the rhythms kind of hit, like, a sort of like an Arabic like rhythm, you know, like a Middle Eastern percussion kind of thing. And, it, you know, it's not, it's made by Tom. So I'm like, oh, that seems, you know, maybe just accidentally. And then this vocalist comes in, and her pronunciation is 100% Arabic. And I'm like, this is this is starting to feel intentional. Um, so the game actually uses uh, intentionally uh, a lot of Arabic thematics in its OST and its uh, soundtrack, uh, which was really weird because it's meant to feel sort of otherworldly. And even to me, it does because it's a, a different interpretation. Mm. But it was also very homely to me. Mm-hmm. Um and I, obviously, I can't tell how much of that is intentional or not. But if you want a really good game that also like touches a little bit on like Arab music, mm-hmm. like, I can really, really recommend Action Verge. It's I've never it's played fun. the first one. Like, what is the standout feature? If if there is one that makes, I'm I'm I, curious. Yeah, I think basically think what would happen if Metroid if Metroid didn't exist, but you made a Metroidvania. Because okay. it's like, you know how Metroid sort of has like its list of abilities and it's yeah. like uh, roll into a ball, like lower bombs, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the game has some metaphors for those, right? There's a shockwave you can do that will drop stones that are attached to the ceiling or something. Okay. Um, but it's never it's never sort of like a one-to-one map to Metroid. Okay. Uh, so it, it's sort of like imaginative Metroid um very similar in structure like go from place a to place b explore places figure out how to get there get new it's called arms in this game but get new uh, abilities to uh, progress through the game and then you know deal with whatever narrative situation comes your way mm-hmm. um it's very much about interesting okay. i think a little bit similar to the first uh to the first action verge it's a lot about technology and science and and history and faith and uh, you know a, a lot of a lot of those things uh so it's big stories uh very rich very cultured world and uh just fun fun gameplay 
it gets a little it gets you know it does the metroid thing where every now and then you get stuck and you just don't know how to solve it and that those parts are frustrating but um most of the time you're just having a good time running through these worlds and going like wow this is pretty oh that sounds nice oh Mm. cool new ability you know and it's it it keeps you rolling so Mm. i've been playing it pretty much non-stop on the switch since it came out and that was uh three days ago when we're recording this i i I, uh, googled it now and uh, and like some of the screenshots they seem to have statues from babylon you know like the Mm-hmm. The, the the statues of like you know body of the lion wings and like a long bearded uh, person yep so it uh, has like a mesopotamian influences on like the, for like, sure there's there's a lot of reference to to sort of like the kazakh region mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um there, there's there's a lot going on um fun fun stuff really interesting uh optional boss fights wow. that was a cool that was a cool like wow. little That's touch cool. like there's these giant bosses, super impressive, huge screen filling, uh, giant snakes moving around, like flying Babylonian statues with missile launches on the back. Uh, but you can just walk past them if you want. Huh. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. I mean, I couldn't, obviously. Like I'm just like, no, <laughs> this is not. We're not. We're not doing that. We're gonna fight. Um, but you could, if you don't feel like doing the boss fight, you could just walk past and you have this ability to hack technology Mm. so one of the bosses i actually um i found a way to disable every weapon on it through hacking Mm. (laughs) and then just like walk up and punch it a bunch of times that's really cool Uh, so the big question skip uh axiom verge one to two or play them in order you can't skip one. They're both very, they're very big games. Like, and and you can play them for a very, very long time. And I think the um, the thing, I think the thing about two is that it's it's standalone. You don't need to play. You don't really need to play uh, one. Uh, it, it explains everything pretty well. I think the. Um, I think the thing with, with Action Verge 2 is it feels very chill. Uh. It just feels chill. It's a chill It's a chill Metroidvania. I don't know how they made a chill Metroidvania, but it's a very chill Metroidvania. You don't ever feel like super punished. You don't ever feel like, you know, you're, you're losing massive progress. You're always sort of like chipping away mm-hmm. at the thing, at whatever is happening. And yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never played a chill Metroidvania before, I think. That's exciting. Actually, I'm looking forward to I'll be looking that. forward to trying it out, actually. I so haven't Switch, played the Metroidvania in a while. Neither. Well, okay. except for okay. Hollow Knight. I replayed it again recently, but otherwise I haven't played one in a while either. That was one of the seven games you were playing at that time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually almost finished Hollow Knight. I got really far in it. It was really, really good. But it's hard. It gets much harder. So I think that's it for me. I mean, I watched What If, yeah. the first one. I did too. I haven't yet. I I just find I found out that it's out. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's out. It came out on Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday. So by the time this airs, the second episode is out. I think. Oh, okay. Yes. But uh, it's um, all I can say. It's very pretty. Yes. It's fun. It's yes. not. It's not. It's hard to because normally with with Marvel stuff, you know, you get you have sort of like an opinion whether it's good or bad. Yeah. I don't. I I don't know. It's fun. It's just fun. Yeah. I watched it. I was like, "Oh, cool!" 
It's exactly cool. what I was hoping for. So for me, it's it's perfect because I used to read the What If comics back in the day, and they really of kept. <laughs> well, I loved them back. I was really really young when I when they were a thing. Uh, but this is exactly what it is. It's like a thing changed, and that one small thing changed caused a ripple effect uh, that will change the story in these ways. And it becomes interesting because you start to learn about the characters, uh, what they would do in this alternate situation, right? And this, like, that's the part that I was worried about. Like, I don't want to, what if um, a scenario that's implausible those are not as interesting as what if scenarios that what if we chose to write it in this direction? That's a lot more interesting to me. I don't want what if Wolverine was someone completely different. I want what if this happened to Wolverine instead? Would he still be the same person he is? You know, the, the right. character. What if control. instead of what instead of like nails out of his hand, he got like nails out of his toes? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not that because that's a, anyway. But yeah, that, I'm that, a bit I, less I would, excited about watching the show now. <laughs> Thank you, Ravi. You ruined everything. <laughs> I, would, I would very much want to see what happened. That makes for so, this fighting style would be so different. <laughs> but but like, how those, does he open a door? Cool then. Like, what do you do? Do you do like a do you do like a flip? Hey, what do you do? Maybe like Chun Li, like you know, doing uh, leg fans <laughs> entire time. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, like, how would you design that? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Go back. Sorry, go back to your story or something. No, but that, that's that's really mostly what I wanted to say about what if is. I think they nailed the tone of the comics, and they don't necessarily have to if they have something new. But I was hoping that they would because that's what I loved about them. Uh, so this first episode. Um, it was really what I was hoping for. And I'm really excited for the, the series. The thing is, it almost exists outside of the MCU because it doesn't mm-hmm. add to the lore as, you know, other... You, it's an exploration of characters. It's not a, It's not a. Uh, it's not going to push the plot or the story or the needle in any way. You think they're going to be able to resist moving the plot or the story? Well, I mean, with Loki and what Loki did, it's a possibility that all of what we're seeing right now will be considered canon and that there, it's going to be all collapsed into one thing and we're going to see the changes that happen in what if in the main timeline uh but that's going to be unprecedented because what if in the past didn't do that ever in the comics even though there were right. what there was a multiverse uh in the comics they never did that so that would be completely new what if it was really just an exploration of they had other comics like i mentioned the exiles where they ju- the dimension hopped and they saw situations very similar to what if but all that was canon here, that's that was never the case traditionally. So I, I would be surprised if they went that route. But they, I mean, they can make it work, and I'd be excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, in addition to watching What If, I saw the Suicide Squad, not to be mistaken with Suicide Squad, which was a movie that came out in 2016. The Suicide Squad just came out this year, and oh. when I yeah, and when I announced that I saw the Suicide Squad, I was surprised by the number of people who said, "Wait, is that the old movie from five years ago?" That it went completely under their radar because of the confusing name, where only the was added at the beginning. I, I have gen- I'm normally pretty aware of what's happening in Media Land, and I had no idea that there was a new Suicide Squad movie. I mean, the yeah. last one I watched was Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah, and I, I enjoyed that, but yeah. like. Wait, it's, well, a, had, it's Idris Elba, it's not Will Smith. No, it's Idris Elba, yeah, absolutely. But is it's, this like a Spider-Man thing when it's like they pretend that the previous movies never existed and then they're just starting from the beginning again? Yes, uh, it's in a weird way. So basically what they did is they didn't, uh, they didn't acknowledge the first movie in any direct way. But Harley, the character Harley Quinn, is mm-hmm. clearly the same Harley Quinn as from the first movie. And 
it's almost like they didn't. It wasn't a a um, uh, a reboot of the first movie either, because they didn't go into uh, the origin of what the Suicide Squad is and how they formed it. They just kind of went, okay, and this thing is a thing, and now we have these characters, and they're going to be the Suicide Squad. So you jump into the action extremely quickly compared to the first one. Like there's no no setup or anything, and I think that helped. Uh, I think most people who watch this one are like, especially in this in this situation, are diehard fans of either DC or Suicide Squad. Most other people just assumed it was the same movie, <laughs> so I think it worked <laughs> in this situation. Uh, but it's like I don't know if you if you've both seen the first Suicide Squad movie. I have. Is, I wish I haven't. Yes. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> un- yes. Can can we undo that? <laughs> Uh, I feel exactly the same way. I can I can't even remember the first movie. I saw it and like I, I remember the last fight scene had like green explosions. I barely remember anything else. Just little clips. It's it was an uninteresting, not good movie that was clearly designed by committee. I think, yeah, I think I think the my favorite thing about that movie is I very I very strongly remember that one of the characters died and I just went like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're gonna do this and a couple of times in this movie too, to be fair. Right, but it's not like not for your main character. Hopefully, like, <laughs> it, like you have like your squad of people and you're supposed to like empathize with them and like feel for them, and then one of them does like the heroic sacrifice, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually it's a pretty common DC like problem in the yeah. movies. It's the same thing with the uh, Superman's dad in the original like uh, in the new original Superman <laughs> with the whole tornado situation mm-hmm. and Superman's dad is like, "No, you can't show your powers." And the dad just stands there smiling while getting like absorbed <laughs> by a tornado and I'm like, "You're Superman, like just yeah, move out of the way of this group of people real fast." Yes. Grab your dad. Put him six thousand feet away, yes, and just run back. <laughs> I don't see the problem. What is happening? And the dad's just like, "Yeah, this is this is good stuff." <laughs> I nailed it. I'm proud of you for letting me. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no way this is gonna hurt my child in the long. Like, just <laughs> no way he'll get like issues. <laughs> no way there's gonna be issues stemming from this incident. <laughs> Nailing it. No, I just, I just, I was laughing in cinema. <laughs> I felt really bad, but I was well, like, "Oh my he, god." Here, you're going to laugh intentionally. There's going to be a lot of genuinely funny moments. One character in in particular stole the show. King Shark is one of my favorite characters. I loved him before. I adore him now. He is voiced, and this shocked me. I didn't know this going in, by Sylvester Stallone. Ooh. Oh, my God. As as incredible as you would imagine that to be. He is such an endearing character and a, you know, an you know, bloodthirsty murder at the same time. It's so shocking. And you get whiplash back and forth in the movie because of it. So he, he stole the show. Um, other characters were really good. Harley was as good as always. I If you like Bird of Prey, you'll like this. I think it suffered from the same thing as Bird of Prey, where the villain wasn't that great. And because of that, it's, it, you know, it won't, it won't be a masterpiece because like it's villains that make these movies, right? It's really more, mostly the villain. Are they compelling? <laughs> Um, I think it's a little complicated because your characters are villains too. Yes. And I think that's why it's confusing. Uh, and it kind of blurs the line. They're anti-heroes in this case. They're, they're, traditionally, they're villains. But in this setup, they're anti-heroes. Um, mm. Like Deadpool is in, in a certain way. But there's still, you need that villain that's even more villainous. You know? That, and we didn't really get that in either of those two movies. Otherwise, they were great movies. They had good characterization, funny, uh, visually appealing. They were funny. Uh, I still recommend it. It's it's one of my favorite DCU movies, if it counts as DCU. Who even knows anymore what's DCU and what's not? It's just everything's random. But uh, DC movie, let's say. 
Um, in addition to that, um, I actually sampled a whole bunch of games that I want to talk about very briefly uh, because I didn't play any of them for long. I was oh, you're you're Rami today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, today I am Rami Ismail. Nice to meet y'all. <laughs> I'm Osama Dorius. <laughs> so I played uh, Chris Tales, which is like kind of an mm-hmm. RPG. Um, to be honest, I fell off of it a little bit hard uh, because I didn't really like the story. It felt a little bit juvenile. Like it felt like a, a game I would have liked if I was playing it as a kid. Uh, art style was good. Combat was interesting, and but you know the story didn't keep me. Um, it's uh, like a, an action. It's a turn-based RPG, like a traditional RPG. RPG, and the art style was uh, interesting and new. Um, right. I, one thing that I didn't like was there were, there were like three characters called Chris. Like I have already a hard time remembering character names in anything, any kind of media. That just you, you, I I call I call nonsense on that statement. If I like name any comic character yes. from the last seventy five years, you yes. know, like ah yes, this person was in this comic in this year, and they've been in that and that. I can remember code names pretty easily, but like normal names, like regular run of the mill names, like Chris, like I couldn't remember. Oh, I couldn't okay, keep fair. I mean the yeah, you've got um, you've got Chris, and then you've got the 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 other Chris's, is and it, then you've it was got like Chris Christian and Chris Dale or something like that. Another made Chris. Up. Bell, yeah, Chris, I, I could like, not remember. I couldn't right. keep them straight. Time, time, time travel makes things a little complicated. <laughs> there was also uh, a game called Last Stop that I that I played briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played I, a bit of that myself as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm yeah. curious to know what you think of it. Because, yeah, go uh, for it. Hassan. What did you reckon? I actually, it felt like just the setup is, is a little bit like a Telltale game. It's like narrative driven, and you make some choices and a little, a little bit of action scenes in between. Um, I actually liked the story. It was intriguing. I was curious to see what happens next. There was a lot of um, uh, what's the word, uncanny valley. Uh, like the animations were very stiff compared to the voice acting. Again, like Telltale, but I was hoping for you know a little bit more fluidity. So the, like I was always aware that I was playing a game, which was kind of sad and, and something like with such good voice acting. Uh, the story was intriguing. I will continue playing this game at some point. Um, I don't know what you thought, Did Palsy. You- I played uh, maybe an hour or so of it. Um, yeah. yeah, the very similar impression. It seems like you know it's. Um, uh, a game that's going down the telltale kind of narrative treatment. Yeah, there were some the the gameplay. There were some gameplay parts that didn't really make sense to me within the game world. Like you were yes. hanging out with people, but then you have to throw stuff at stuff. Yes, I, uh, like I hated at, that. Like at the very stuff. early section of the game, and like you have to throw at seven things out of seven things in order for the story to progress. Yes, and. None of the gameplay actions that you were doing were really directly related to the story that you want to unfold. Yeah. So it just felt like, you know, we're adding gameplay for because it's a game and we need to have these things here. It just wasn't like it didn't feel coherent for me. Yeah, the, the, the creative direction clearly was more interested in the narrative than the gameplay. Many times the camera angle switched violently, causing whiplash and switching your controls, almost to tank controls temporarily because you're still aiming in the right direction and moving in the wrong direction. And like little things like that, that, uh, you know, more experienced people who make games will understand that you can't do that to a player. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, we've played tested games in early builds, so we know how to... You know, I mean, it's funny because the, the the team that worked on this is Variable State, and they're in the the UK. And uh, their previous game was a game called Virginia, yeah, Virginia, Virginia. which was which was really interesting, mm-hmm. um, but similar. I think suffered from very similar issues, mm. right? 
Virginia, um, I feel like they they didn't really try to add gameplay to some right. aspects. They were like, we're gonna go full on into your living this narrative right. experience, and you're like, you're taking a seat. Which which was cool, but it's funny because when you when you think of it, the variables. I don't know if you you've uh, you you know of the people at Variable State. I don't know them personally, uh, as far as I know. But um, I remember looking into them uh, when Virginia was coming out because they kind of came out of nowhere. And this is a team that has worked for like EA on like Battlefield and like on Connect games Mm. and like uh, Grand Theft Auto and. Uh, you know, the, they're they're very focused on storytelling, but their history isn't necessarily like the the storytelling part of games. Mm-hmm. So I found that I just find find it very interesting what they're doing. I don't know how this ended up happening or or why they uh, they wanted to do that, hmm. but um, it's interesting to watch them do it, and it's interesting to see what they're making it. I, I haven't had too much time in uh, in Last Stop, but I've I've. When I played it, I went like, "Oh yeah, this is the team that made Virginia." Mm-hmm. Well, I'm still played cur- enough of it. Yeah. yeah, I played an hour of it, so it's hard to say. But like you know, some of those uh, the, the initial uh, impression, uh, yeah, the, the, that's basically what I shared is my initial impression. Maybe the game yeah. you know gets more down the line. Yeah. What else is on the buffet? So I also played Dodgeball Academia. Uh, which, <laughs> which is a dodgeball RPG. I did not know it was going to be an RPG going in. Uh, I, I thought it was just going to be like an action dodgeball game. So this game, as soon as I started playing it, I in, immediately immediately knew that it was a, a Brazilian team that made it. The art mm-hmm. style, the character designs are very Brazil. And I, mm-hmm. I fell in love with it for that reason. Uh, however, I played it for about an hour and I barely played any dodgeball. It's mostly walking around the academy and talking to people, which at the time, like, you know, your, your mental state when you play a game is important. I was, I, I hyped myself up to play some action dodgeball. And after one dialogue, <laughs> after the next, I'm like, it's not what I signed up for. Um, I, I, that's not what, what, what I had the, was in the mood to play at the time. So I am shelving it for now. I'm going to come back when I'm looking for a more narrative experience. Because if I wanted narrative, <laughs> I'd go back and finish Last Stop, right? <laughs> and then you're going to get there, and it's immediately when the dodgeball starts. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I really wanted some narrative. Like, this is the thing that... That's probably going to happen, to be that's fair. <laughs> to be fair, that's about it. But seriously, an hour in, and it was mostly like walking around. And there are shops, and you could buy things. It's really an RPG. And it's, it's right. it felt good, like, for the little time I played it. Like, uh, I... I it's anyway the character designs were endearing uh i really like the art style it was extremely recognizably brazilian in so many different ways uh mm-hmm. it's a good thing a different thing i'm excited to go back to it um good. the other game i played and i have to give the, a little bit of um a disclaimer uh the game is boyfriend dungeon my friends made this game some of my close mm-hmm. friends i like them a lot they're good people so i'm extremely biased i'm also in the credits um, <laughs> as a special thanks, because I did a little bit of consultation work. Uh, so that's my disclaimer. So, you know, I have to say that. Otherwise, people are going to be like, no, that's not fair. So <laughs> um, uh, it's an action uh, RPG in a sense, but it's also a dating simulator. So you you, you go around and you um, find weapons that you use to fight, but the weapons are actually people that turn into weapons and you could date them. That's the premise. <laughs> and if that's not interesting, I don't know what, you, what you're looking for in a game because that's like intriguing more than anything else. Uh, the characters are, are a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, they, like I, I, I 
played earlier builds in the past, but the, this, the finished build, to be honest, I only played it for about an hour. I liked it very much. I will continue playing it. Um, but I'm very biased. Like, I'm going through it, and I could see... You know when you play a game that your friends made, and I could see which part they contributed to just based on their personalities? I'm getting that level of enjoyment out of the game. Like I can tell that my friend wrote that line or that my friend created or participated in the creation of that character. Um, So I'm extremely biased. I apologize, but I still believe it's a good game because a lot of people are are raving about it. Um, But I'm curious if either of you have played it or will play it and what you think about it. I mean, they're obviously like the, the, the theme of Kid Fox is also like friends. So I'm, it's, it's interesting because it's absolutely not my type of game. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I love narrative games and I love RPGs. I, I'm the dating aesthetic never really worked on me, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and it, it's not boyfriend dungeon in particular. It's just it, it's not interesting to me. I'm also the kind of person who like tries to avoid romances in yes. like video games. So yes. it's just not really my it's not my thing. Um, but I will say, I mean, the the, the conversation about it is really fun and the the. Um, the premise of, of it is kind of like interesting in a weird way. Like yes. it makes you kind of go like, so wait, what weapon am I? Yes, exactly. I what, am what, a what two-handed warhammer. That has to be You're right. a two-handed warhammer. Yeah. But those can't hug anything. No, but they're the most huggable weapon. They're, oh. they're tall, human size. They don't have any sharp edges. You know. Okay. Right? Yeah, no. The, the, you've thought about this. I have. About <laughs> I have. What about I you? What weapon would you be? I, I don't know. What would Fauzi be? I, I don't know. I haven't. I don't know much about the game at all, actually. So, I mean, oh, I, no, I, that's so just basically a, the question that stands basic, on its own. <laughs> the basic idea is that you have these weapons that you use in the in the in the dungeon in the dungeon, mm-hmm. and um, the um, the weapons are also like dateable humans. Uh huh. That, that's sort of like their their essence or spirit or whatever. So you can kind of date your weapon. Do they have to be mm-hmm. melee weapons? Or, because I'd be a machine gun, I imagine. <laughs> Why would you be a machine gun? <laughs> or a shotgun you, or like some kind of rifle. That's what you want to be. That's not who you think you are. What what weapon is your personality? My weapon. What, what weapon What weapon is a fousey? Yes. A pillow, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I should have Fauci's that. <laughs> Faust is only for pillow fights. Yeah, no, exactly. but he's more huggable than me. Yeah. I, I lose. Uh, <laughs> he went up Fauci, to me. Faust is ahead, ahead of you, ahead <laughs> of the game. He beat me at my own game. Damn it. I mean, no, you have to add yeah, me to I, the credits. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So no, I can see pillow. Pillow would work. <laughs> pillow would work. <laughs> pillow would work. So uh, Rami, you have to be like a cross between a longsword and a scimitar, right? Yeah, something like that. Probably. I've, I I actually looked up because I I do some um, some uh, consultancy work, right? And um, and uh, part of that is sometimes like diversity readings, and part of that is because I know the history of the the sort of like Middle Eastern region yeah. uh, pretty well because my dad was just a completely like my mom. My mom wanted to be an archaeologist, mm-hmm. and my dad really cares about the history of the region. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up around those books. So there, there's just a lot of knowledge that I have that is just sitting there about like what types of swords were used and what types of armor people were in what time in what place and. It's not very useful information in general, unless somebody's making a game in those regions. <laughs> so, um, I, I I went back and I researched, but there's not really such a thing. 
Mm. There's not really a broadsword like scimitar in any in any way, shape, or form. There, yeah. The 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 way they looked at swords was also a little different, like two-handed swords and and one-handed swords. It really varied yeah. throughout history. What was considered like R- um, Rami would uh, be the Buster Sword, like the from Buster Final Fantasy yeah. yeah. like Seven. Just, just oh, the giant, Buster Sword, okay. the Buster really? Sword from Final yeah. Fantasy Seven, just a, like a giant slab of metal. <laughs> right, it was like we we got a problem. Yep, we're gonna solve it. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna solve it in this most straightforward way possible. Yeah, yeah that actually that does sound like me i'll take it for a second i thought you said bastard sword which is the sword that's between a short sword and a long sword it doesn't fit in between where you can hold it both two-handed or mm-hmm. one-handed depending on how big <laughs> no. you are that's too i'm also very i'm yeah. very versatile as well but no i think big and unwieldy sounds sounds pretty fair i think a lot of people go like oh yeah that sounds like rami <laughs> Awesome. So now that we've established which swords we are, which weapons we are, Fauzi, what have you done this last week? <laughs> this, is a very, this is a very, this is a very, like, let's go around the corner. It's a summer transitions are getting a bit rusty, but uh, I'll take... <laughs> or, or it's too much more pressure. efficient. More, more efficient. efficient. That might, that's just more a, efficient. There's no, like, build up. We're just like... So now that we've talked about this, Fauzi. Yeah, there's too much pressure. I'm just not going to try anymore. Forget it. He's he's bringing his hammer approach to this. (laughs) Sledgehammer on the chit-chat. You got it. Here we go. Okay, let's go to the pillow. All right, so um, a bunch of games. I have a bunch of games and a book that I want to talk about. Okay. So... uh, Actually, one of the games I spoke about before, so I'm playing a bit more of Near Replicant. So, uh, but I spoke mm-hmm. about that in a previous episode. Uh, I didn't say why I was playing that game. It's because um, I'm one of the headliner speakers at DevCon, which is a game developers conference that happens around the same time as Gamescom. Well, look uh, at you! In, in a couple of weeks, That's and awesome. um, they're doing this fun thing in which, like, it's um, uh, I'm, they're doing like a developer panel, which like developers are interviewing each other. So mm-hmm. I'll be doing an interview with the uh, with the developers of Nier. So like um, the writer, director, producer Yokotaro, Sakito, oh, and Saito. Fun. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll be like you know having a, a chat, like a panel kind of like thing. And I played <laughs> played a lot of Nier Automata, so I've been like, I need to play a bit of a replicant kind of to prepare. To prepare for this uh, this chat, I am I am sorry for for whatever's going to happen because with Jokotaro, you know, like this is going to be some stuff. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I'm also like planning not to take this too seriously, and, right? Uh, and also <laughs> see what happens. Like it's going to be like a suhoor bites kind of like gags around, right? Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm kind of. I got to do one of those once with um, with the Uedasan. Ah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and that was really fun. They're they're really fun, sort of like panel ideas because yeah. you you get a panel that's very much the personality of the person interviewing and the personality of the person being interviewed. Yeah, I think a lot of normal panels they put somebody from the press or they put like an event organizer, and they're fun, but they're usually very uh, kind of flat conversations, right? <laughs> because people are speaking different languages. Yeah, they're not. You don't go into design as much with somebody from the press because you're adjusting what you're saying to the person you're you're speaking to yeah but if you have two devs on a stage talking shop 
potential for that to be really fun exactly. is, is pretty high. And so in, I'm really this, excited about that. And in this case, we also speak the same, literally the same language. So like, you know, right. <laughs> there's going to be an interpreter, but like, you know, as they, as they answer a question, I'll be, I'll be able to prepare while that, you know, the interpreter is translating because we can understand That's each true. other. That's so, true. Do, do they know that yet? Um, you think, should absolutely not tell your daughter that you can speak Japanese. I don't think he knows, but him. two others know. So um, oh. I'm also like um, curious about how that's going to pan out. So we'll see. Right. <laughs> um, the other game I played, I also played. Uh, Wait, just for people who want to follow this, where can they follow this if they want to watch this? Is there? Because like I, I know Defcom, but like, yeah, it should find like all the details on Defcom.global, and I'll post right. uh, you know links on the announcements on my Twitter as well. So right, we'll we'll see if we can um, if we can put that in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah that'll absolutely. be cool. The other thing is, I played the Switch game as well. I played Pokemon Unite. Oh, okay. Is that okay. a MOBA? I, right? I would love an opinion on that. So one. people probably have a lot of questions on this. So like, yes. there's a bunch of things that are interesting. So I'll I'll talk about the developer before I talk about the game because the developer is also very interesting for me. Hmm. This game is developed by Teamy Studios. That's okay. T-I-M-I. This is a studio in uh, Shenzhen, China. Okay. Mostly, and it's part of Tencent games, and it's uh, the games that they've made before are like Legend of the Dragon Mobile, PUBG, mm-hmm. Army Attack, uh, Call of Duty Mobile, and oh Pokemon God. Unite. They are all over right. the place. The, exactly, like the types of games that they make is like a mix of everything, and there's a, and they are a very strong mobile studio. Hmm. Um, so this game is a free-to-play game on the Switch as well as iOS and Android. It's a MOBA with Pokemon characters and a bit of basketball. Hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see so, that part. You know, like in mobiles, oh, they all have the map with the multiple lanes and like there's two people on the lanes and there's neutral creatures uh, on the map that you need to kill to collect XP and uh, gold so that you can power up your character so you can have more abilities so you can destroy enemy towers. Hmm. That's in like mobiles mm-hmm. like League of Legends or Dora and whatnot. In Pokemon Unite, they're not towers. They're like basketball hoops. <laughs> And, okay. and when you kill neutrals, you're collecting balls. And then as you collect enough balls, once you reach the enemy tower, you'll be able to dunk those balls on that hoop. And basically, what? the team that dunks the most balls win. Wow. You know, I have no idea what I just listened to. Yeah, because I didn't know about it. I saw screenshots, <laughs> and I didn't even get the basketball at all. I didn't see I, it. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, okay, so there's Pokemon. Yeah. There's Pokemon. There's balls. Yeah. yeah, you collect there's balls when you hoops. kill the neutrals. There's hoops instead of towers, and then you dunk on those hoops. Your, and your Pokemon dunk? <laughs> your Pokemon dunks, yes. They dunk the, other do all Pokemon? Of them have like, like, no, they, they dunk balls. Yeah, they but they're Pokeballs. Like Pokeballs. Do they right? dunk Pokeballs? They're, they're not exactly, they're a type of Pokeballs. Let me remember what they're called. They're a specific type. Okay. But they're Pokeballs right, that what? do not house other Pokemon. Wait, yeah, that was exactly. really messed up. And also, <laughs> what happens if a Pokemon touches it's called the a unite static ball. Pokeball? That's what it is. It's called the, the unite, unite Ball. A unite that ball. sounds horrifying. 
What happens if you're a Pokemon and you touch a normal Pokeball just laying around? I'm... Do you think a Pokeball needs momentum to catch a Pokemon? <laughs> I haven't seen uh, any Pokeballs that have been thrown at other Pokemons as far as what I've played of the game so far. Right. So and this uh, this is not about catching them all in that sense. It's about, you know, beating other po- Pokemons and dunking right. on them. <laughs> as you would. <laughs> it's five on five, like any MOBA would be. There's, yes. you know, um, in the same way that any MOBA would have, there's uh, creeps that walk on the lane. Uh, mm-hmm. Creeps is the Dota term, but like neutral characters. Mm-hmm. There's tall grass, and when you go into the tall grass, you're invisible, sort of like League as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike MOBAs, the towers in MOBAs, they damage you when you come close to them. Yeah. In this game, the towers heal you. Your towers heal you. Oh, um, so you want okay. to be around your tower to heal as much as possible. That's why when they want to attack your tower or like, you know, attack you while you're under your tower, you'll be constantly regenerating. So it's not a good idea for them to do that. Oh, okay. I mean, it's funny because they're inverting it, but they're not really changing the balance much. No. Not that much. No. It's a very Nintendo right. change. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, it's the same thing, but we do it the opposite way, but it does the same thing, really. Like, not exactly. that change. You just yeah. play it the way you always play it. Just to... There's still the same stuff. Like, there's still, like, right. lane movement. There's still ganking. There's still, like, Is there uh, jungling dif- different or... roles. There's jungling. Right. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. There's, like, you know, an equivalent of a, a Roshan. Um, I forgot what it's called. But, With like, you dragon, know, a giant yeah. uh, neutral Pokemon appears, and you can go and, and defeat them just to get wreck stuff. that Snorlax. Yeah. Uh, Snorlax <laughs> is a playable character. I'm a, I'm a Snorlax player. main. No surprise <laughs> I there. Would, <laughs> I would love to see a Snorlax done. I, I think I would be a Snorlax main, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, a Snorlax, it's, as expected, is a tank. Um, of course. It, uh, Snorlax is easy to play. It's, uh, like, an easy-to-learn character. That's why I'm a Snorlax. Um, does... Um, uh, uh, stuns and area of effect damage and stuff like that. Hmm. I'm still I'm still traumatized by the original Snorlax <laughs> from Pokemon. I got stuck at that part of the game because I didn't understand you need the flute, and I yeah. I had to quit my Pokemon run and like get rid of my my beloved Squirtle. No. Uh, well. So I will fight the Snorlax. I will download <laughs> this game to wreck some Snorlax. <laughs> the thing I like about this game a lot as well is that. Unlike other MOBA games, which you know can last between 45 minutes to 50 minutes, even like the shorter MOBAs got it mm-hmm. to like 35 minutes or something like that. Yeah. This game is 10 minutes. And you know oh, because it's no. timed. Yeah. Oh, so like cool. you have you have 10 minutes to dunk as many balls as you can. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just can't get over that. I'm just imagining a Snorlax trying to dunk a ball. <laughs> like I don't know. Um yeah, have so look at some videos and like uh, yeah. watch how the dunks happen. But like it is really like a hoop, and you're grabbing a bunch of balls and then you're dunking them on some fools. So. That's super exciting. <laughs> I am actually looking forward to playing it. I like mobas. I'm, I'm not the biggest Pokemon fan. I'm a fan to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but I like mobas and I like the concept, the idea of a short moba. Because one of the reasons I stopped playing League of Legends is it was getting ridiculous. I play yeah. like I'd have two hours to play in a day, and that's like two games maybe three if i got unlucky or super lucky in one of them yeah can i just ask one more thing osama yes you you were posting some call of duty madness yes on your twitter yes, the other day. yes. Like, that was a, that was some i didn't know you could like do that so I, okay I, I i have good games and bad games like everyone else but call of duty if as far as shooters go my two best 
the shooting games are uh, Overwatch and Call of Duty now. Mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty good at, at both of, of them. But that specific run is like ridiculous. So the, the video I posted, um, I was running on a train like in one of the maps and I I know I saw just a, a flicker of somebody, one person. Uh, so I went on my belly on the on the ta- on the top of the train so that they wouldn't see me, and I got a headshot. And as I got the headshot, I saw a little bit of movement to the side, and I moved to the side, and I got another headshot. And as I did that, I was like, "Where could the others be?" And I turned to the side, and I see another person peek out, and I get another headshot, and then another one, and then there's smoke. And I got lucky, and I shot through the smoke and got a fifth headshot. All like I got five headshots in ten seconds. I've like I don't think I've ever done that before. Wow! So I got playing the I mean, game and was, I felt really good about myself. <laughs> it Ooh. was it was a thing where it's like okay headshot and then there's like a second a second enemy and it's like headshot and you're like okay yeah. that's reasonable yes. you know that's good and then there's like the third one it's like oh okay and then the thing Osama doesn't tell you about the fourth one is the fourth one is like that's a millimeter shot yes. right like it's between things yeah. it's not like yes it's a headshot but it's also like a quarter second of response time you had to actually wow. nail that yes it was, and then there's just like the spray and pray through the through the, through the, through smoke. the smoke and it's like <laughs> another hit and you're like okay i'm like what the hell that was like almost I, the entire I, team because there's six versus right. six was that i on guess PC? i wouldn't want to be on the other side of the game that one was on xbox uh but i do xbox. play the game also on pc i have it on both and it's it's the same account right and it's cross play yeah um, yep. So I'll play on PC sometimes. I'll play on. Uh, I was uh, because I wasn't asking. Are you like a better aim mouse and keyboard? Yes. or Better aim on uh, ge- uh, gamepad. I'm better aim, better mouse aim than that on the mouse and keyboard. I'm oh, better wow. aim mouse and keyboard for sure. But I'm, oh, I I actually prefer playing FPSs on uh, like on the couch comfortably. So that's nice. that's Same. that's one of the reasons Same. I play uh, with the controller. But like usually I'm, I'm worse with the controller, not better. Right? It's really hard. <laughs> I to mean, do. I I'm terrible at mouse keyboard aim. Yeah, I'm really bad at it. It's not my thing. I don't know what happened because I I started as a PC gamer. I was like diehard on Quake on Unreal Tournament on like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, played played against friends. You know, like I I cared about that stuff, and then. I don't know. Shooters are just better on the couch for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. I, I just said, I mean, for me, it's destiny. So it's, you know, barely a shooter. Even PvP destiny. Is You're just, ridiculously good not. at destiny. I played with you and I'm like, I, I played casually. I played it when it first came out, destiny two. And then I hadn't touched it since. And I'm like, I should be pretty good. No, no. Rami's right. much, much better than me. It's, it's, it's there's still muscle memory. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. There's still muscle memory that comes back a little bit. But like all the nuance of the game, when you stop playing one specific game and you play another, you, your habits change. Uh, same thing happened when I played Street Fighter Alpha 3 for the first time after playing Street Fighter Third Strike. Like it's, it feels floaty. Like the, the kicks, the hitboxes, everything is so different. You have to relearn it, right? You, you, not, right? not like the basics, but just like to get good. You're like, oh, no, I did that too soon, too early. That kind of thing. Right. So, Fozzie, you had a book this... to talk about. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Remy. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just there was a cat joining us today. I'm opening the door and letting the cat out. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's very, we have a Habibi cat. <laughs> Apologies. No, no, no. Please. Like, have the cat on board. That yeah. feels very appropriate. <laughs> the cat's gone now. The door's open. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, the book. I read the book called Ask Iwata. Oh. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. You guys heard about this book. Yes, it's, yeah, I uh, wanted to read it's it. A, it's a nice collection of uh, interviews that Iwata did, either from the Iwata Ask, a series of articles and interviews that he used to conduct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or the 
he was friends with um, uh, Shige Sato Ito. Itoi is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is now an editor at the newspaper. And uh, ever since like they've released the Earthbound together, uh, Iwata used to still go past uh, the newspaper where he works and he would sit down and they would talk. And they collected all of this work uh, posthumously after he passed away and they released it in the form of the book to kind of get to know the man and uh, the manager that Iwata used to be. It's a very small book, so it's a quick read. I read it in in two settings almost. It's fantastic. I love I love the book because, like for me, I really look up to the late Iwata. He's such of a course. such a powerful figure um, in the industry, right. and like he's a man that did a lot of interesting things. He's a visionary, humble, yeah. a visionary, and I think I spoke about him in the podcast before. He has such a like um, uh, an esteemed uh, place in the industry across the world, mm-hmm. most definitely in Japan as well. I was in Japan when he passed away and like the, you could see the impact that yeah. he had, uh, that his passing had. Yeah. So it's a book that celebrates his life as well and his legacy. Right. Well, but the most interesting list, like... thing for me is that like, it was cool for me to read a bit about his ma- manage- managerial style. Oh. Like what what was Iwata like as a manager? As a manager in the industry myself, you know, I'm always trying to become a better manager, read a lot of books about the topic and something like this. So like to read up more about the management style of somebody I really look up to has been very insightful. So definitely recommend right. the book. Worth checking out for sure. It sounds like a wonderful book. Mm. Uh, I think I think that I think that's I think it's really interesting to learn about how other people do things, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Iwata is kind of an odd one because the skill of it is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I don't think I don't think necessarily a lot of what Iwata learned throughout his life will apply to many game developers, but it's interesting to see the way of thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sort of like the the decision making process. Absolutely. That's something like you know gives me a bit of validation. So like Iwata speaks in this book about like how he scheduled meet when he like became the president of HAL Laboratory. He wanted mm-hmm. to meet with everybody. So he scheduled like meetings with every person in his team to kind of have a chat. And, and that gave me a bit of validation because like, for example, in my most recent job, as I joined the studio, I'm managing 85-ish designers and I wanted to meet every single designer on my team. And right. I like, you know, made, made sure that I scheduled meetings so I can meet all of them. And like we sit down and we have a chat and something of the sort. And that was super informative for me. I had so much information and insight and like assisted me so much in the job. To read that he also applied the similar thing and that helped him and he had right. similar kind of That's learnings from it. it was super cool and validating, validating you know? yeah that's incredible um on the topic of books i just want to have a small uh, little aside you mentioned last week that uh, a book called jerusalem uh, mm. written by graphic a, pers- novel. a graphic novel written by a person co- you called Guy Delisley. I think you pronounced put- it something I- like that. I butchered his name and I admitted <laughs> to doing so on the podcast. You did, even. you did. And that's totally <laughs> fair. It's on record. But- I apologize even while I'm doing it. <laughs> yes. What's, what's interesting is that I heard you say that and it didn't ring a bell. And then when I was doing the show notes and I looked it up and I read the name myself, it's Guy Delil. And I had read that book. <laughs> so it's Close enough. Yes. <laughs> it was a great book. It was actually his second book I, re- I read from him. The first book I read from him was called Pyongyang. It's He spent time in North Korea 
with his family, and that was really interesting. Uh, sorry, it wasn't with his family; it was alone. The, the Jerusalem is when he spent time with his family uh, mm-hmm. in Palestine and the West Bank and other parts of Israel. Uh, both books are great. I lo- love the author, uh, but yeah, I really I'm sad that I didn't click on that because I would have jumped in and, ha- and joined on the conversation. It was a a great book. Um, yeah, so Rami, you didn't know Guy the Silent. It's <laughs> no, it's Guy Delil. Say it with me, Fauzi. Guy Delil. You got no. it. <laughs> Perfect. It's French. So you just kind of drop all the S's and kind of like mumble your name. <laughs> well, I, that I pronounced. <laughs> this is too many. And you're in Sweden. You don't pronounce 90% of the letters either. <laughs> Pretty much. That's fair. Uh, but that also gets fair. confusing over time. Right. Which yeah. letter <laughs> should I drop in what language? Yeah. <laughs> at some point at some point with all the letter all the letters you have to drop in different languages, we're just not gonna speak anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like well, and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely you're just like uh Exactly. It's like, oh yes, no, I want two, please. It's like what? That's nice. <laughs> um no, um I think the final thing I did this week is I launched a new thing. Another oh, new thing um, all the time, right? I launched a new thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. It gets out of hand. Um, I launched a new thing. It's called um, a Leveling the Playing Field. And it's a newsletter kind of situation. I've been Ooh. doing these consultancies for the past, like, uh, what is it, nine months now? Mm-hmm. And it's four hours a day. It's pretty intense, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make the time available because it's a sabbatical year for me. I quit Vlambeer last year. And um, I, I wanted to take a year off, and I decided that I wanted to spend a significant portion of that time helping other developers, because it's what I've done for 10 years, and, and now I have some time to focus on it's it. It's very Rami of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I scheduled four hours every day, except for uh, Tuesdays, uh, to, to do consultancy. And I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of developers, small indies just starting out, students that don't know what they want to do in their career, Studios that are well established and are having issues with their game or their design or their production or their business or whatever it is. And I listen to them for like 15, 30, 60 minutes. And then we work through the problem together. And uh, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, so far, most cases that I've, I've come across, I've managed to solve. But one of the things that I came across that was really interesting is that just some issues just happen over and over and over and over again. And I'm I'm pretty booked on this consultancy, right? Like mm-hmm. normally there's like weeks, if not months, ahead of bookings, and it's it's hard to get time in that in that schedule. Mm-hmm. I make more time. I move some people around, so I try to make sure that there's emergency slots always. But the um, the thing that I notice is that a lot of my time is going to these repeat questions. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, what if there's a better way? What if there's a better way to talk about these issues? What if there's just like a blog or a website that talks about these questions? And I realized that a blog won't necessarily work because it's all these different topics that I'm talking about. And people like blogs when they're focused, mm-hmm. right? Like you read a blog on design, you read a blog on business, you read a blog on on anything, but you don't really read a blog about like just sort of like the weird stuff that happens in game development. Yeah. Uh, because you the, you can read the four focused ones. Do, right? do you have an article written or planning to write one about how to join the games industry? Because I get asked I this get question that. five times a day. Oh, can I yeah. just copy oh, paste right. that and just <laughs> send it to people? Yes. Yep. Yep. Sure. And if you have thoughts, let me know as well. So, so kind of the the idea is it's it's at uh, leveling the playing field is at uh, l t 
FBF ramiesmail.com I still have to like learn how to say that abbreviation <laughs> yes. um, you can find it on my Twitter as well and the basic idea is that every two weeks there will be an article about design marketing pitching business production team management like thinking about structure thinking about you know life as a creative uh, all of these different topics that don't really have a common thread except for that any developer goes through them at some point in some way right Um and some of them might apply to AAA, some of them won't. They're mostly focused on on independent developers. But, you know, I've learned a lot of my craft and a lot of the things that I know from talking to lots of people in the industry in lots of different places and lots of different points in their career. So I feel like a lot of the advice is sort of like not generalized, but it, it will apply more broadly. I'm very excited about the experiment. Uh, and I hope cool, that it's going to open up some space to do consultancies for people with not the same question. Not that I minded those, yeah. but it'll be more helpful that way. Right? I'm excited about so, your first issue. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> and like by, by now it's going to be out by the time people are listening to this. Yeah. It's it's about figuring out, this is, a, this is a question I have a lot, is okay, we're doing a game design and we're stuck. We're stuck. We can't figure it out. Some, something feels off and we can't, we can't figure out what is off. And, Without fail, if I ask people, okay, so what's what's the core of your game? Like, what's the nugget, right? Like, what what is this game? What is the truth at the heart of it? They don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. So, the ex the, the exercise that I kind of go through in in the first one uh, was, how do you figure out what's sort of at the heart of your game? And it's something that normally you kind of want to do upfront. You want to define your pillars. You want to figure out what sort of like is at the heart of it. But a lot of indies come from like a prototyping tradition where you just prototype something you're like oh this is cool let's go and you don't really define what you're trying to make right you just keep going until you hit a wall uh, so this one is sort of like a retroactive way of figuring out what's at the heart of my game like what am i what am i making how what contradicts that and you, in my consultancies usually when you take the contradicting things away or you make the contradictions intentional they get unstuck and they can continue their design mm-hmm. So it's about that. It's a fun one. It's a good one. Um, Looking forward to it. Well, awesome. it'll be an interesting one to open with. So we'll see. Hopefully, by now, the you know I haven't lost like four thousand subscribers or something. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it went really fast. There's thousands of subscribers now, which is really cool, and I I hope it's going to help. Inshallah. I Inshallah. I think this is a good time to wrap it up and thank everybody for listening. Um, and seriously. Uh, I'm super excited about this podcast. Every single episode, we I think we're getting more into the vibe of it. Uh, and, uh, I'm lo- really excited to see what comes out from the future. Uh, so thank you, everyone. And uh, don't forget to write us. And salam. Salam. I, it's my turn. It's my turn. No, no, you, you go first. Salam. <laughs> oh, I go first? Oh, salam. <laughs> getting much better at this. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're absolute we're absolute heroes. We, we, and we're there's getting no way so we'll, good at this. We're never gonna get this wrong. <laughs> it's just always gonna be always gonna be good. Anyway, okay, salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I'm Osama Dorias, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Osama Dorias. My fellow Habibis were Rami Ismail, you can find on Twitter at THA underscore Rami, and Fauzi Mesmar who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubaydah. 
and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about free game developers drinking good Arab tea with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and assalamu alaikum.